Welcome, Bird Gang, on today's show. Paul Calvisi joins me. We look ahead to Christmas night. Tom Brady and the Buccaneers are in town, and it's Trace McSorley's first career start. Quite the opportunity. It's Cardinals Cover 2, Episode 628, and it starts now. Welcome to Cardinals Cover 2. Hit in the backfield and down he goes for a loss. J.J. Watt nailed him. Cardinals Cover 2 is presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. And by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. He's at the 10, at the 5, he's in again! Some more Murray Magic! Wow! Here's Craig Grealou. Every week, Paul, we look for those stats to kind of figure out where this game might be headed, who has the edge, who might be favored. This stat, though, might say a lot about where the Arizona Cardinals are and obviously what Tom Brady has done in his 23 seasons in the National Football League. He is making his 331st career start. Trace McSorley, his first career start. That is remarkable. There's no doubt about it. I mean, that is a holy cannoli stat if we've ever seen one. So what exactly does that mean? What exactly? I mean, you know what it says, and we've been talking about this, that December is the new August that guess what? There's going to be a lot of guys getting a lot of reps, a lot of snaps that would usually only play in the preseason. Cardinals are in that situation. Only Tennessee has played more complete players than the Cardinals so far this season. And now you're down to your third string quarterback going against, I mean, the most legendary player in the history of the game, Mr. Bling, with seven rings. So what exactly will this look like? No one exactly is sure. But, yeah, look, we've talked about it this week. Okay, what do the Cardinals have to play for? Theoretically, nothing. You've been eliminated from the playoffs. So now, guess what? Your selfish needs actually come back to serve the team, meaning you need to play for yourself at this point. You need to put the eye in team. You need to put good play on film for everyone to see, including potentially a new GM of the Arizona Cardinals. So if everyone actually does their job and plays to their capability, brings the energy, intensity, and urgency, then that's the best thing to serve this team. As Cliff Kingsbury said to the team recently, there's a recency bias with a lot of these GMs when they're looking at film because how many pending free agents are there? Nearly 30? Close to 30, yeah. So guess what? Uh, There's going to be a lot of turnover. When you end up outside the playoff chase looking in, there will be turnover. And then this season, I think, in particular. So do yourself a favor. The gift that keeps on giving this holiday season is good game film. And and there shouldn't be any lack of motivation. You brought up Tom Brady. And you know what? You need two hands to think of all the other reasons to play, considering the audience that's watching, prime time, you know, everything else involved here. So at the very least, I'm hopeful that you're going to get the requisite energy needed to compete against Tampa. It was the post-game message from J.J. Watt after the loss in Denver that was captured on Hard Knocks, which we saw earlier this week. To your point, Paul, be selfish because you're putting yourself first, and then hopefully that will help the team because are you playing for a contract? Are you playing for a job? But don't get outside of that to where you're doing something beyond what your job is supposed to do because that's when mistakes happen. That's when assignments are blown, and then you're looking backwards because someone just boat raced you for a long gain. And that's where this this Cardinals team is at. But, yeah, 
put something positive on film over these last three games. For example, Trace McSorley himself. Let's go back to the player you cited. If he doesn't have a good first half, I wouldn't be shocked to see David Blau in the second half. If you read between the lines, Cliff Kingsbury told the media, you know, there's a certain few things that he wants to see out of Trace McSorley. And if he doesn't, guess what? There's another quarterback who's taken some first-team reps this week, according to the head coach, David Blau. So if he's capable enough in the offense to be able to go out there and run it, uh, this this week on Sunday night, you might just see it. If the Cardinals' offense is dead in the water or the, even worse, they're turning the ball over. Because what is the stat? The last three games, they're negative six. Correct. Actually, last four games, they're negative six, and they've been outscored. I think 35-6 to six is the number. So that's the one sure way, everybody now, to get yourself beat in the NFL. Just look at Tom Brady. First time, he had been 89-0 while when leading by 17 or more points at home in his career. And what happens? He committed turnovers on four straight possessions last week in that loss against Joe Burrow in Cincinnati. He went pick, fumble, fumble, pick, and they end up getting blown out in that game by a Bengals team that was trailing 17-0 in the first half. Remember what Kingsbury said to McSorley, protect the football. And if we do see another two turnover performance in 15 minutes like we saw in the fourth quarter in Denver. Maybe we do see someone else at quarterback. David Blau, again, brand new, but at this point, what is going to lead this team back in the win column? Because this team desperately needs to get that good feeling of walking off the field with a W, and they have not done so. In fact, they have not done so at State Farm Stadium since Thursday night football against the New Orleans Saints. Paul, that was before wow. Halloween, October yeah. 20th. And they're 1-6 at State Farm Stadium this year, and we know how things went last year. In fact, they have lost 11 of the last 12 at State Farm Stadium. So yet another reason to play on Sunday night. And if you're Trace McSorley, you heard the head coach. It wasn't just turnovers. It's no negative plays. It's be astute in your details, you know, how you handle yourself. This is something I think you're going to figure out right away. And then there's how the quarterback makes the rest of the team feel. Meaning, when you went from Kyler to Colt, you still had a chance because not only is Colt capable, obviously, at this point in his career in 36, and he's seen everything and he's decisive, he gets rid of the ball quickly, but almost just as important is the rest of the locker room believes in Colt McCoy. So what is that belief level and confidence level in a Trace McSorley? And how, did this is, how does this team come out? I think it's a legitimate question because, Craig, you know, we hit zoom out here on recent Cardinals history when the Cardinals went from Kurt Warner to Carson Palmer and then Carson Palmer to Kyler Murray in between were a lot of journeyman quarterbacks. And there were a lot of games where as soon as you got down two scores, game over because the rest of the team didn't believe. So what is that? Now, what's interesting is to hear Marquise Brown, Hollywood Brown, tell the media because he was teammates with Trace McSorley in Baltimore and probably knows him better than anyone in that locker room just how confident a Trace McSorley is. Here's a guy who won three high school state championships. His high school career is almost on par with a Kyler Murray, what he did in the state of Virginia. Then he went to Penn State, big school, big program. I think he was a four-year starter at Penn State, so he doesn't suffer from a lack of confidence. And hopefully, you know, that's something that'll rub off on the rest of the team going into this game against Tampa, who obviously is playing for a playoff spot. And despite no career wins in the National Football League, McSorley does have a career victory at State Farm Stadium. 
Penn State in the Fiesta Bowl a few years back. So that confidence level, and we did hear teammates discuss that this week. Head coach Cliff Kingsbury brought up McSorley's confidence level. So that won't be lacking. But I liked what A.J. Green had to say when asked about McSorley and the pressure. A.J.'s like, there's no pressure. Just go out and play. And I think if you're McSorley, it's not only this week and hopefully the next two weeks closing out the season because this is a first. He's never had this opportunity. What do you do with that opportunity? And what can the receivers do for him? you got to be in the right places at the right times. We've seen, you know, you saw the interception against Denver. Was that a miscommunication or a misfire? It was more of a miscommunication. You know, the ball went one way, the receiver went the other. So you just hope if you're the Cardinals, there have been enough reps this week to get the receivers in sync with the quarterback. You're talking about a Trace McSorley who's never had a week of first-team reps. So what does that do for his game and his confidence? He's going to have the ability to pick his plays. We talked to Cliff Kingsbury about that on his weekly TV show, Game Plan. That that's something that they'll do on a Friday. Okay, which plays Trace? Do you? He does it with any quarterback. What What are the two handfuls of plays that are absolutely your favorite? You feel most comfortable and confident running. You know, it's something obviously he didn't have the ability to do before getting his appearance in Denver after Cole McCoy left with a concussion in the third quarter. You're kind of running Colts game plan at that point. So we'll see because you know obviously there wasn't a lot of production or points on the board in Denver. How different can it look uh, against the Tampa defense? coordinated at least by the mastermind that is Todd Bowles, now their head coach. And obviously the Bucks have a lot to play for even besides the postseason because half that staff, once upon a time, was a Cardinals assistant coach. Yeah, it's going to be a big family reunion before the game, maybe after the game as well. The number of Cardinals assistants now on that other sideline and personnel. Jason Light, now the general manager of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, once upon a time here with the Arizona Cardinals. So a lot of familiar faces but when you talk about what Trace McSorley is going to go up against, a Buccaneers defense under head coach Todd Bowles, it is a defense, the numbers look great, but the last two weeks, 34-plus points, they had allowed just over 18 in weeks 1 through 13. So something is off with that Buccaneers defense. Yeah, they're missing a lot of players. Via Vera did not play last week. Jamel Dean, Antoine Winfield banged up. There are a number of key players on that defense Buccaneers defense that have not been on that football field, but still you would expect this Buccaneers defense to throw everything at McSorley. And you know what? In defense of Tampa's defense, or lack thereof, especially in that second half when Joe Burrow had four second half touchdown passes, those Cincinnati touchdown drives went 13, 31, 13, and 39 yards because of the turnovers. So the quick change did not favor that Tampa defense. They had a short field. They got victimized. But there were other issues for Todd Bowles after the game. He was not happy about several things. Despite all that, they're 6-8, and eight, two games below 500. They still have a one-game lead in the woeful NFC South. If they win out, they're in. If they win out, then guess what? Tom Brady doesn't suffer the first losing season of his football career going all the way back to high school. Think about that. So there's, there's a lot on the line just for him personally in this one. He had a miserable game when he went back home against the 49ers in the Bay Area, and they lost 35-7. to And then you saw what happened in the second half in the four turnovers. So, And here's the thing, Craig. You tell me. Look at the other quarterbacks who currently are poised to be in the postseason in the NFC. They're all unproven in the postseason. Even a Kirk Cousins 
nothing to rave about. A Jalen Hurts, yet to have a postseason win. Think of those quarterbacks. A Daniel Jones, right? So you have a Brock Purdy. If Tampa gets to the postseason, look out just based on TV 12. Well, they've had to do it the hard way once before as far as working their way from that wild card spot. But you're right. They went out. They win the NFC South. They're guaranteed a home playoff game in the first round. And I'm sorry, even though they've struggled offensively, you put Tom Brady on that football field with the bright lights and how much different playoff football is than regular season football, it would not surprise me one bit if the Buccaneers made a run. Now they got to get through this regular season first, and that's been the struggle recently, losing three of four and the consternation in Tampa Bay. What's wrong with the Buccaneers' offense? Why can't they get in gear when you have the greatest of all time at the quarterback spot? Yeah, you're right. When they won their Super Bowl, they were a five seed. Right now they're a four seed. But they've also lost their last four road games, Tampa has, and so and they can't run the ball. They're dead last in the NFL in rushing, which doesn't seem to make a lot of sense with Leonard Fournette and the ASC rookie Rashad White. But now you get to where they have something in similar with the Cardinals. Big-time injuries on the offensive line. They had losses in the offseason on the offensive line. So look, uh, you can have all the weapons and skill players you want in the NFL. If you don't have the offensive line, you know, to establish that ground game. And what's interesting is they've actually allowed the fewest sacks in the NFL. But that's more that's more a credit to Brady being able to just get rid of the ball and at times being forced to get rid of the ball too quickly to his own demise, throwing a lot of those interceptions when perhaps he should have eaten it and taken the sack or just flat throwing it out of bounds. So we'll see. Can Vance Joseph really bring the heat and try and victimize yeah, you know, a below-average Tampa offensive line and get to Tom Brady, do you risk that? You hear Vance Joseph talk about he has seen every single coverage. He's like a head coach, offensive coordinator, playing quarterback out on that field. So, uh, you know, if you are going to bring the numbers, you better get to Tom Brady quickly, put it that way. That's what Vance discussed, because you're not going to surprise Brady. Buda Baker brought that up. He's seen everything. So what do you need to do to stop Tom Brady? Well, you need to rush him, make him think quicker than he already thinks, and that is get rid of the football sooner than he wants to, because, Paul, you're right. If he does have the time in that pocket to pick you apart, perhaps without a Byron Murphy, once again, a secondary that is really limited in bodies, that's going to be a tough cover against a Mike Evans, a Chris Godwin, a Russell Gage. There are weapons that Tom Brady can throw to if given time, and even more for the Buccaneers this week. There's some good news on that offensive line. Right tackle Tristan Wirfs told reporters this week that he does expect to play. He's missed the past three games because of an ankle injury, but if you get him now on that offensive line, then all of a sudden Brady doesn't need to worry about the right side because he knows he's got a Pro Bowl tackle on that side. Think about that. If the Bucks have Tristan Wirfs back and the Cardinals are minus Kelvin Beecham, who through Wednesday and Thursday had not practiced, yeah, that, that could be a huge swing uh, considering those two offensive lines. And you're right, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Julio Jones, who's been up and down, very inconsistent. If they can just get a trace of a run game, think about it. Tom Brady leads the NFL in both completions and pass attempts. Not good <laughs> because you are not balanced. So if they can do something, and you know what else wasn't good? The Cardinals run defense in the second half against Denver. We all saw that toss play 
which the Cardinals coaches figure accounted for at least 70 rushing yards for Denver's 168. Is that what it was in the game? And all of those in the second half, by the way, because the Broncos really ran the ball down the Cardinals' throats in that second half. Vance Joseph, I think, mentioned that there were just like four passing plays and he was able to rattle them off. There was a completion, there was an incompletion, there was the interception by Buda Baker. So if you're the Buccaneers, yeah, you are dead last in running the football. In fact, their 74.3 yards per game is a franchise worst. Mm. But if you look on film, where are the Cardinals susceptible, especially if you want to contain J.J. Watt after a three-sack performance, you run the football. But Tom Brady, number one in both passing attempts, passing completions, number three in passing yards. The Buccaneers, what they do best is throw the football. So what do you do here if you're Brady and that rest of that offensive coaching staff? Because you excel throwing the ball, but the Cardinals defensively, not very good against the run. So think about it. You came out, you were the Denver Broncos, and you said the Cardinals are missing their top three cornerbacks. There's no Byron Murphy, there's no Marco Wilson, there's no Antonio Hamilton. There's some guys out there named Jace Whitaker and Christian Matthew, a seventh-round rookie, and for a few snaps when needed, Nate Hairston has been called up from the practice squad. Guess what? Here comes Jerry Judy. We're going to go to town with a pass game. One problem for Denver, they couldn't pass protect. And the Cardinals had six sacks in that first half. And I vividly remember we're doing the halftime show and Kyle Vandenbosch, and I'm asking him, look, they ran for more than five yards of carry in in that first half, and they can't pass protect. What are the odds the halftime adjustment is just to run the ball? And they did with impunity, and it was that toss play. So you know how it works in the NFL, Craig. You're going to see it till you stop it. So if Tampa comes out and they want to neutralize J.J. Watt, well, get get him moving laterally. Quick tosses left and right. Young legs of the rookie Rashad White, I could instantly see that. Do the Cardinals' corners want to tackle? Leonard Fournette, who's an absolute beast. I still remember. Do we have 30 seconds for a quick aside? Tyron Matthew telling a story. Leonard Fournette, when they were growing up, and Tyron Matthew was a few years older than Leonard Fournette in the New Orleans area. But Leonard Fournette was so huge for his size as a kid, and he's still a massive running back. But he was so dominant physically that they were playing like 12-year-old you know, tyke football, and the parents got a petition together <laughs> to have him kicked out of the league. Like, this kid is a threat to the well-being of our children. <laughs> this kid should not be allowed to play at the expense of 100 other kids who are going to get jack-stomped by Leonard Fournette. And so that brings you to his NFL career. Funny how that works, how he ends up in the NFL. Yeah, Cardinals, we'll see. Uh, are they willing to tackle? You know, Buda Baker is going to be out there. And he's going to be bringing it. But guess what? They account for Buda Baker a lot. And it's funny how many times they don't run to Buda's side. It was interesting because Buda Baker, as he addressed the media on Thursday, fifth Pro Bowl appearance, by the way, that is one more than your broadcast partner on Sunday, Ron Wolfley has. So make sure you, anytime you mention Buda Baker with the tackle, just kind of throw that in there as just a little bit more of a dig. I'm writing that down. So now it's Adrian Wilson, who also (laughs) wore number 24, and Buda Baker with one more Pro Bowl than Ron Wolfley. Gladly, I'll bring that up. Baker likes to say he figures out how defenses respect his game by how they attack him defensively and he mentioned different types of rules those were his words Hmm. when he's on the field are they going away from him are they targeting him my guess is Tom Brady will know exactly where number three is he'll know exactly where number 99 is that's why if you're on that defensive line or if you're on that edge a Marcus Golden a my Jay Sanders Cameron Thomas J.J. Watt needs help he can't do it himself 
He did it by himself in the first half against the Broncos, but then there was that halftime adjustment. If there was someone else that can step up, either at the defensive line or in the secondary, to kind of make sure that you don't just have to focus on two individuals on that Cardinals defense, because I do think last week the Cardinals would have handled the Broncos if there was someone else outside of J.J. Watt, whether that was rushing the quarterback or a Zayvon Collins or an Isaiah Simmons stopping that run. Didn't happen last week. Will it happen this week? You know what, Calvisi Consulting, one thing I'd like to see in this game, thanks for asking, Craig. My Jay Sanders, more snaps, please. Please. He only had 11 snaps in this last game. And if Cliff Kingsbury is crediting his run defense and he's not a liability against the run, then I'm trying to figure out why he's not getting more snaps because he's known as a very talented or at least potentially talented pass rusher. Uh, you know, if the Cardinals coaches are wondering, we asked my Jay Sanders after he was drafted, is there one NFL quarterback you would love to get after and bring down? And before he even completed the question, he said Tom Brady. He just answered it instantly. So you got to figure my Jay Sanders is as motivated as anyone out on that field Sunday night. I'd love to see him play more than half the snaps. Cam Thomas, even minus Zach Allen, only had 10 snaps in the game. Love to see both these third-round rookies get some more reps down the stretch. They have earned it based off what we've heard from the coaches. Now, are we being told something versus what we haven't seen by the coaches, whether that's in practice or in games? Are there too many ME's, if you Maybe. will, mental Maybe. errors that they're not doing what they're supposed to because I'm right there with you. I want to see those two more because when they have been on the field, they've been very productive, yet at the same time, are they a liability? Because, yes, us fans, we want to see the young players over these last three games, but coaches are judged on wins and losses. No matter if you think a decision has already been made at this point in the season, coaches want to win, and they're going to play whomever they believe can get them that W. And there's a certain order in the way it works, you know, a hierarchy in the locker room. You got to earn it because I've hinted as much about some of these rookies down the stretch, and Cliff Kingsbury will instantly say they got to earn it. So to your point, are they doing enough behind the scenes to earn earn those reps? Uh, you hope so, and, and we'll see how it evolves in, in this game. But look, there's, you know, you have certain areas of this defense where you're really undermanned. Obviously, the cornerback position, we'll see about the status of Antonio Hamilton and Marco Wilson. And then the defensive front after J.J. Watt, it gets thin real quick. So a Jonathan Ledbetter got a lot of reps. He fared pretty well. A Tristan Hill was out there quite a bit. You know, we'll see. But the second half has not been kind to the Arizona Cardinals over the last four games. And the last three, they've led at halftime, only to fade in the second half. So is this a defense that's getting worn down? What exactly is happening? Um, you know, that's something obviously that we're keeping an eye on is can the Cardinals come and give a full game and, and, and be there to compete the entirety of four quarters? What was the answer that A.J. Green gave? A reporter asked this week, what does he want to see out of this offense or just the team overall over these last three games? A.J. Green mentioned one word, consistency, hmm. because we've seen it in flashes. First half, second half, but not an entire game. First quarter, third quarter, not all four quarters. A drive here or there. This team has, and I'll go back to what we talk about, that self-inflicted, whether it's turnovers, it's penalties. Can you play a clean game, especially 
under the bright lights, uh, primetime Sunday night football on Christmas night. Yeah, Can you get rid of whack-a-mole? Different guys at different times taking their turn to make their one error of the game, their mental error, missed assignment or alignment, and then all of a sudden, guess what? The whole game is rife with that sort of self-inflicted stuff. Can you just get rid of that from your vocabulary over the last three games? And then I'll add two more words. You know, I'll match your quote with the James Conner quote when they asked him, what do you hope to gain you know, as a team over these final three games? And James Conner thought about it, and he said, and I quote, some respect. I like that answer. Because in addition to just playing for yourself and your next contract and putting good film out there, hey, how about just play for some respect from your opponent? Play hard enough and play a clean enough game that a Tom Brady will respect you and your game by the time Sunday night and Christmas night is over. So hopefully enough guys buy into that because James Conner has been another voice along with J.J. Watt, been very vocal in that locker room. And this week in particular, don't respect Tom Brady too much. Maybe post-game, sure, but not during the game because your job is to win and win at all costs in between the white lines because what have we heard all week long? And I'm sure this goes with every team that plays Tom Brady. There has been a lot of Brady love this week, a lot of respect. It's been all well-deserved. Yet at the same time, does that all of a sudden put you a step or two behind because all of a sudden you're in awe of Tom Brady, much like in the, Nash, in, the, in, in, the, in the NBA was Michael Jordan, LeBron James. You're like, wow, I'm sharing the court. I'm sharing the field with a legend, a living legend, and all of a sudden it just kind of goes to your head and you get out of your game. That can't happen. Well, how about a J.J. Watt? He sacked 47 different quarterbacks in the regular season, but never Tom Brady. And and I went to uh, our stat guru around here, Mike Helm, and I asked him for a little further clarification, and he said that in the postseason, J.J. Watt has a half a sack. 2012 playoff game, Houston against New England, he had half a sack. So, he, to use a Ron Wolfley term, he does have some Tom Brady grease on his resume, but not during the regular season. So you got to figure that 99 sacking TB12, a couple of first ballot Hall of Famers. You know, that's good TV uh, on a Sunday night. So uh, we'll see. Like you said, you can't have too much respect. Because Brady, to me, when you watch him, and we watch him against the 49ers recently when the Cardinals are on the bye and you see some of the other plays during the course of the season, kind of reminds me of a Peyton Manning in his final year or two at Denver. If you get close enough, (laughs) he's either going down or he's getting rid of the ball. He has no interest in taking that hit in the pocket. And if you are a little bit half second, split second, too late, that flag will go oh, up. Oh, yeah. And don't dare put your body weight on Tom Brady. You know, if you're going down, you better throw those hands up or or try and do some sort of push-up to, bring, you know, to somehow mitigate the fall on Tom Brady or else, uh, you know, he's going to get the flag every time and all those Patriots fans are out there still yelling to this day, Tommy, you know, it's – How about some of those rumors out there speculating about Tom Brady's return to New England next year? Very interesting um, as to maybe what his future might be. Uh, Doing some of the digging around New England's one, the Niners potentially. Who knows what's going on with the Niners quarterback position? Jimmy G, obviously. Last year, his deal. Trey Lance. Did they see enough to figure they can't count on a Trey Lance? Is Brock Purdy really going to be the guy they build around? And then there's also speculation with Derek Carr underwhelming this year. Does Tom Brady go back and rejoin his longtime offensive coordinator in New England, Raiders head coach 
Josh McDaniels. In the silver and black, fitting perhaps for Tom Brady. By the way, you mentioned Brock Purdy. We've seen this going full circle here on Cardinals Cover 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. We've seen a first career start versus Tom Brady just three weeks ago. Brock Purdy made his first yep. career start against Tom Brady. Beat Tom Brady in Brady's homecoming. Yeah. Soundly. Yes, it was not It was not pretty. And that was the game in which, and I'm very curious if we see it this week, it might depend on the outcome, what the score is, but how many different 49ers players came up to Brady at the end of the game, including one that I can't remember his name, but literally got an autograph because he picked off Brady during the game, had the football. I think it was a Dre, sh- yes, Dre Greenlaw, I think. Had a Sharpie with him as well and still managed to not only get a handshake but also get the football autographed. I don't know if that's going to happen on Sunday, but there's enough Cardinal players in that locker room. You brought up my Jay Sanders that would love nothing better to either get that autograph, swap jerseys, or if nothing else, get that handshake. I give Tom Brady credit. He's better than me in every way, including that way, that if the guy who picked me off comes up and wants an autograph on that football, I'm sorry. I'm declining that. Uh, you know, it's So good on him to uh, be that gracious. You know, it's interesting, a couple of takeaways from Hard Knocks this week, Craig. There, there was there's sort of the, the semi-serious – well, D-Hop was serious, but I think uh, you know Vance Joseph took him as semi-serious that when he offered his services to play defensive back in a pinch in Denver. That, that was intriguing, right? Good stuff with Colt McCoy, as our Jim Omohundra, former college baseball player, noted. Uh, Colt's uh, young son has a nice swing uh, back there in the wiffle ball field. That's, uh, he does. Keep he, an eye on young yep. McCoy. And then it's hard not to notice the demeanor and tone from owner Michael Bidwell addressing the team and him saying, and I'm quoting, I'm as uh, bleeping disappointed as everyone else in this room. I can see who's really doing it. I can also see where people are sometimes cutting corners, and that really affects your play on Sundays. And then he wished everyone a happy holiday. (laughs) But, you know, considering the way this season has gone, considering how many injuries and how many players are in the final year of their contract – it's hard not to see a lot of change coming the Cardinals' way in January and beyond. It is going to be a fascinating offseason. It begins immediately after the Cardinals play at San Francisco, and then the questions will pop up. What happens front office, head coach, coaching staff, roster-wise? And that's why I think, to your point on what Michael Bidwell said, cutting corners. That's what resonated to me when I saw that, in addition to the salty language, because – I don't know about you, Paul, but I, I'm not on that same level, perhaps. I don't see the owner like that many times. In no. fact, I can count on one hand how many times I have seen Michael Bidwell act like that or be that upset. And I'll say this, because fans want to know, yeah, he's not frustrated. He's angry. And he has every right to be, just like fans have every right to be angry, on this season that has not lived up to expectations. His demeanor and tone said as much as his words. I I agree with you on that. And look, this is an owner who in 2018 ate a long-term contract on the head coach and most of that coaching staff, including the offensive coordinator midseason. So there is a track record of making change when change is needed. And uh, this, you know, Something obviously needs to change coming off this season. 
who or what it is, I have no idea. I don't know where it's going. But just remember, I mean, we've seen, based on the track record, and the best indicator of the future is the past, that's sort of like in business, if it's not working, fail fast. Pull the plug. So to me, I don't think the contract extensions in the offseason automatically guarantee anything when just a few years ago, there was, after year one of a four-year deal with a head coach, that exit button was hit and the reset button was hit. And so we'll see. I don't know if it's going to be to that degree this offseason, but um, I don't think it would shock anyone, especially based on, and once again, you saw the tone and demeanor of how dissatisfied ownership is right now. And roster as well. Josh Rosen only lasted one season, and a change was made. Now, I'm not, don't, don't even don't aggregate this at all because I'm not speculating anything on the current quarterback situation. I'm just saying that this franchise is willing to admit its mistakes, in your words, Paul, fast mistakes, and then try to correct them just as quickly. Yeah. And look at how things change in the NFL year to year. Every single year in recent history – You've changed out half the playoff field. It's just the way it works. Look at where the Rams have gone from Super Bowl champion to where they are now. Well, conversely, you can also change things around quickly. Look at the New York Giants this year out of nowhere. So, uh, you know, this doesn't necessarily a two- or three-year rebuild. You know, this is still a team that last year won 11 games. But, again, I'm going to use a Zach Allen quote that I, I come back to, I came back to recently and it was something he said last December, about this time last year. You can't hide behind a 10-2 and two start. And I don't know if that continues to be a problem. I think it was at the end of last season, a team hiding behind what it had accomplished and maybe had already met expectations in terms of a final win total, how much of that played into the manner in which they finished last season. I'm not exactly sure. But you most certainly can no longer hide behind a 10-2 and two start last season when you've lost 15 of your last 20. That's the new normal. 15 of your last 20 have gone in the loss column. And to me, that is the only thing that will be focused on this offseason. Cardinals and Buccaneers coming up on Christmas night. 6-20 is the kickoff. 1-30 pregame coverage begins. And bonus, Bird Gang. Paul Calvisi on play-by-play with Ron Wolfley and Danny Sarek down on the sidelines. Dave Pash, who knows what Dave's doing on Christmas Day, but he just did not want to be a part of this at all. I say that tongue-in-cheek. But Paulie, pinch hitter, once again, the second straight Christmas Day, Christmas nights. Let's just hope it goes better than last year's game against the Indianapolis Colts. And the year before, the one game I filled in happened to be the C.J. Beathard 49ers win in Week 16 which was every bit as lackluster and lack of energy as a preseason game. So let's hope here, a knock on wood, that we don't get a repeat of that. It's sort of the reverse pash factor coming back to bite yours truly on some of these games where I fill in. And I will take Paulie Pinch hitter because I'm most definitely not Paulie Pash. He is very, very good at what he does, and he makes it sound and look very easy, and I'm here to prove it isn't. So uh, everyone go easy, and we'll try and get through this Sunday night game. Minus uh, broadcaster extraordinaire, top five in the business, Dave Pash, who has an NBA ESPN gig on Christmas Day that uh, is a complication uh, and prohibits him from attending the Cardinals game. Let's consider this the last gift to open up on Christmas. The Cardinals and Buccaneers led by Dave Pash doing something else and we've got Paul Calvisi and Ron Wolfley on play-by-play and color. Should be a lot of fun because again you can say you've done something that Pash has never done 
That is, if the Cardinals are able to get the win at State Farm Stadium, Tom Brady does not have a regular season win on his resume in that stadium. Two Super Bowls, but not a regular season victory. Yeah, Of course, he's played twice as many Super Bowls in the stadium (laughs) as he has regular season games, which tells you all you need to know about Tom Brady. Should be a lot of fun. Again, Christmas night, Cardinals and Buccaneers. Is this the week the Cardinals snap that losing streak? We will find out. And on that note, we will put a lid on this edition of Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. As always, special thanks to our executive producer, Jim Omohundro. For Paul Calvisi, I'm Craig Riolu. We'll talk to you next time here on Cardinals Cover 2.